Hi there, children. Last time we left Jake and the Green Grove in the middle of trying to stop the building of a sports stadium on the wetlands close to their homes. Just when they thought they had progressed with the fight, Amy sees bulldozers down amongst the birds in Rapo. Have they been lied to by the contractors? Maybe Mr Ken Duncan isn't a cool guy after all. Where do they go from here? And will Jake ever stop looking at Peter's eyelashes? Jake's dad seems surprisingly upset at the news. I'll find out what's happening, mate. I'm glad I... He stopped. Wonder what side he's on, Jake thought. At school next morning, Amy's voice could be heard all across the playground. Mrs Hay, striding towards her office, gave the huddle of greens a cool look. If you hadn't listened to Miss Univorce, we wouldn't have been sucked in. Where is she, anyway? Furious sentences surged to Jake's lips. Claire beat him. She's at choir practice. I'd better go, too. The five kids straggled off, Jake trying to swallow his unspoken words. Think I'll go down and see what's happening, Jake announced after school. His mother was rummaging through a cardboard box, probably searching for rhinoceros. Mrs Bremner nodded. Don't get too upset, love. Your dad says Ken Duncan's a good guy. He reckons there must be a mistake. Tell that to Amy, Jake thought, as his mum's old bike creaked towards Back Beach. A car passed in a hurry, then another car and a ute. Plenty of traffic on the road today, Jake thought, as he passed where the Hoon's car had stopped the day before. He frowned at the skid marks on the grass. Around the curve of the road ahead, he could see the white oblong of Duncan Enterprises' sign and, hell, Amy was right, a big yellow bulldozer sitting on a patch of ploughed-up earth nearby. There were people too. A lot, twenty at least, and several cars, plus the ute that had passed him. Jake kept close to the side as a car labelled Calcott Advocate zipped by. It joined the other parked vehicles, and two figures emerged quickly. Everyone was gathered around the front of the bulldozer. A voice was calling out. Curiosity pricked Jake, and he pedalled harder. He was just 30 metres from the group when they shifted as the advocate people joined them. Jake saw someone on the ground in front of the bulldozer. An accident? The figure was facing the huge blade gripping the bottom edge with both hands. Suddenly it half-turned and shouted over its shoulder, Keep away! Jake swerved and nearly ended up across the bonnet of the nearest car. It was Amy. He dropped his mum's bike and hurried across. He joined the back row. For some reason he didn't want Amy to see him. The girl was kneeling on her parka, her hands clutched the enormous steel scoop of the bulldozer blade as it aced over her. A big bearded guy in overalls. The driver stood looking down at Amy and scratching his head. Another man stepped forward. He wore a construction site hard hat in orange and didn't look pleased. I'm telling you one last time. Get out of there. Keep away. Amy yelled again. You touch me and I'll have you up for assault. I'll have you up for trespass. 
The man's temper seemed a good match for Amy's. He started forward again. The advocate photographer lifted her camera. Another man said something to Orange Hat, who stopped in mid-step, glaring at Amy. Amy glared back. Her eyes blazed, her curls quivered as she jerked her head around. She's frightened, Jake realised. He saw her hands trembling where she clutched the steel. Suddenly he felt frightened himself at the power of the yellow machine and the girl's smallness. He stayed behind the others where he couldn't be seen. Another car pulled up, faces staring. The big bearded driver spoke. Aren't you scared, girlie? No. Amy turned her glare on the speaker. Well, I am, the driver told her. I don't want to hurt you. How about we talk things over? Amy swallowed and stared around. The camera clicked. It clicked again as Orange Hat moved forward once more. His voice this time was carefully friendly. Cliff's right, kid. We just want to get on with our work. Nobody wants trouble. The birds in the wetlands just want to get on with their lives, Amy shouted. You don't mind causing them trouble. Is that what you're protesting about? The advocate journalist began scribbling in his notebook. You're worried about the wetlands? Orange Hat looked annoyed, but said nothing. Another car stopped. I should go out there and join her, Jake knew. Sit down on the parker with her. Be worth it just to see her big mouth fall open. He began to move forward. Then he stopped and edged away instead, back to where his bike lay. Behind him, Amy's voice rose once more. Of course I'm worried. So is all our green group at school. Building the stadium could ruin the wetlands. It'll drive away all the birds. There's, there's a biting in there. It's really rare. Jake winced. The biting's a secret. As he rode home, he tried to decide. Was Amy fearless or brainless? And was he a wimp? He went to bed that night still wondering. He remembered Amy gripping the huge blade, frightened but determined. He remembered Darren's words. She'll take on anyone. Jake headed for the letterbox early next morning. He wanted and didn't want to say what the advocate had reported about Amy. His father was already wandering up the drive, newspaper open in his hands. He looked half pleased and half embarrassed. Hi, mate, he greeted Jake. Another early reader. Is there something in? Jake demanded. Mr Bremner looked puzzled. Yes, how did you? Then his eyes jerked to a photograph on the opposite page. Good God, Amy Preston. Amy knelt in front of the bulldozer blade, staring up at Orange Hat, who looked just as annoyed on paper. The bulldozer driver was scratching his head. Girl versus machine, it read. Schoolgirl Amy Preston halts work on Calcott's new sports stadium. Amy said the project would endanger nearby wetlands, especially a rare bite in which... Did you know about this? His dad asked. I didn't know she was going to do it, Jake replied, truthfully enough. Well, you're certainly in the news this morning. His dad pointed at the opposite page. Ross Bremner.
Jake blinked at his father's name. He blinked again as he read the letter to the editor above it. Ross Bremner wished to tell Ruth Rivers that his son was not being pressured to oppose the stadium. The son had made up his own mind. Ross Bremner didn't necessarily agree with his son, but he was proud of his son's courage and commitment, and he wanted Ruth Rivers to know that the country could do with more kids like this. Jake's father grinned at him. I'm the only one allowed to tell you off. If Ruth Rivers starts, I'll tell her off. When Jake came to breakfast, his mum was shaking her head over the photo of Amy. Mm, is this going to help you guys? Dunno, said Jake. He was still wondering whether he should have helped Amy. See Dad's letter, he asked, to change the subject. What? His mother went silent as she looked at the opposite page. When she straightened up a minute later, her eyes were shining. Five minutes later, Jake glimpsed his parents in the living room. His mum was giving his dad a kiss, a big sloppy kiss that seemed to go on for a long time. Disgusting, thought Jake, and kept going. He suddenly thought of Peter and kept going faster. At least six kids, asked Jake about the photo as he went into assembly. I want to see Amy Preston in my office, said Mrs Hay after she finished notices. A murmur ran through the hall. It vanished as the principal frowned. At lunchtime, Jake poked his head into room six. The greens were all there, except for Amy. Wish I'd seen her stopping that bulldozer boy, Darren exclaimed. Jack felt guilty again. He sat down apart from the others, even Peter. He felt surprised as a voice spoke angrily. It was silly. People will think we're just stirrers. Under her red hair, Claire's face was pink. The bulldozer blocker entered, looking grim. Amy, Claire began immediately. I know, Amy waved her hand impatiently. I've heard it all from Mrs Haystack. Mr White, in striped shirt, spotted pullover and checked jacket, frowned. Claire went on before the teacher could speak. We're supposed to be a group. You should think of us. It was stupid. Claire stopped and looked embarrassed. The others looked impressed. Peter nodded coolly. Simon grinned. You want to see Claire when she's angry. At least Amy gets things done, Darren protested. You guys... Amy overwrote him. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I got carried away. The door opened. A girl stuck her head in. Phone for Mr White. There was silence after the teacher left. Then, what's this about a biton? Simon asked. Hell, thought Jake. I'd forgotten the biton. We... Ah, uh, I was going to tell you. Amy caught Jake's eye and glanced away. Didn't want people rushing round there. That was thoughtful. Peter's voice had frost on it. Jake just had time to think that Amy had saved him from being quick frozen before Darren spoke eagerly. Let's go see it. Before everyone starts, we can make sure it's okay. Jake hesitated. Then... It's on the far side of the water, 
where people can't get close. The others stared at him, Amy included. Have you... Peter's gaze wasn't friendly. Jake swallowed. Mr White reappeared. Let's go this afternoon, urged Darren. I'll get my binoculars. Vitons often come out in the late afternoon. Jake remembered Amy saying the same. You're planning to see the Biton? Mr White asked. Yeah, Darren seemed to have taken charge. You want to come, Mr W? Can you put it off till tomorrow? You're needed this afternoon. Needed? Simon repeated. How? Mr White looked thoughtful. That was Mr Duncan on the phone. He wants to come here after school to see you. All through afternoon school, Jake wondered what Ken Duncan would say to Amy. To judge from her face at lunchtime, Amy wondered the same. She'd still managed to hiss at Jake as they left room six. You didn't have to tell them you'd seen the bite in. Yes, I did, Jake replied. Amy shrugged, said, Suit yourself, and stumped off. Last time I helped you out, Jake decided, but he felt he'd made up for the bulldozer. There was silence in room six after school. The green group sat and waited. Only Peter looked unworried. A figure appeared in the doorway. What are you people doing here at this time? Mrs Hay demanded. Before anyone had time to explain, the principal went on. I've already said this to one of you today. I'm not pl- Mrs Hay stopped as Mr White appeared in his striped, spotted, checked, shirt, jersey jacket. She looked startled as Ken Duncan also appeared in spotless, fawn jacket and trousers. Hello, Dotty. Jake caught Simon's delighted grin. Mrs Hayes' name was Dotty. I've come for a chat with these excellent young people. Mr Duncan gave Mrs Hay an easy smile. Mrs Hay gave Mr Duncan an uneasy smile back, glanced at the excellent young people. All grinning now, except for Peter, who looked polite, mumbled something and left. Thought I'd better do some explaining. Ken Duncan gazed around the bright, poster-covered walls. We don't want any more bulldozer bashing, do we? Amy looked awkward. Peter looked pleased. Director and dark-haired girl exchanged smiles before he went on. First, an apology. Our subcontractors jumped the gun yesterday. They shouldn't have started without double-checking. They know that now. Ken Duncan still smiled, but Jake felt glad he wasn't in Orange Hat's shoes, or the shoes of those guys sacked for stealing. Second, I've passed on your concerns to our board. We want the stadium to benefit everyone in Calcott. That includes you folks. Smiles from Peter and Claire, nods from Simon and Jake, and, after a moment, Darren. No response from Amy. Ken Duncan paused. Then, but if we're helping you, you have to help us. He turned to Amy. You could have got hurt yesterday, love. It wasn't clever. I, Amy began. She knows. Claire, Simon and Mr White 
all spoke together. There was laughter. Even Amy half smiled. Ken Duncan shifted his gaze to Jake. You're a surfy, I believe. Jake's mind went blank. Your dad told me. That break off the north end still lethal? Jake mumbled something. Peter was looking at him with interest. This will really make her notice me, he thought. Jake's mother came out of her studio as he arrived home. I couldn't find a rhinoceros, but I found a plastic hippopotamus. I'll put its head in the sand. Jake remembered his mum's words about Ruth Rivers and decided he wouldn't like to be in the column of shoes either. Good meeting with Ken Duncan? Jake's dad asked when he got home. He laughed at Jake's expression and said, We were talking this morning. I suggested he visit you folks on your own patch. He was impressed. Tsk! Jake began again as his mother gave her husband a hug. Thursday and Friday were full of music festival rehearsals. Even Matt was in the choir. The singing surfy, thought Jake. Don't know when I'll get time to surf, he told himself after school as he biked towards the wetlands. The biting-watching expedition was going ahead. The others were coming in Claire's mother's car, except for Amy, who was also biking. Jake took back streets where he wouldn't meet her. He frowned at fresh wheel ruts near the stile. Those hoons had been here again. Claire's mother arrived with Claire, Simon, Peter and Darren. She gave Jake a minister's wife's smile and drove off as Amy rode up. The Greens made their way quietly to the waterside. They sat by the flags, hidden as much as possible. To Jake's annoyance, Simon and Claire sat between him and Peter. They were silent till a plop made them jerk. Frog, muttered Darren. Common green frog, probably. The whistling ones come out mainly at night. More silence. Jake shifted to watch Peter's eyelashes as she gazed across the water. Amy frowned as his jacket rustled. Claire and Simon began whispering. Shut it, hissed Amy. As Claire looked embarrassed, the stocky girl added, We came to see swamp birds, not love birds. A joke from Amy. Jake marvelled. Write it down. No movement from the far side. The fantail appeared and showed off. Heads turned to follow it. Rapo tops began to glow gold as the sun lowered. Tiny midges danced above them. Jake watched the water stroking among the reeds and the dazzle of light across its surface. The midges scattered at another. Plop! Insects, one. Frogs, zero, breathed Simon. Amy grinned with the others. Write that down too, Jake thought. Still no biting. Two green finches dashed overhead, swerving and chirping. Eyes jerked left as a pair of ducks with speckled chests and cream grey-brown wings came gliding in, feet angled down. They ploughed across the water, settled to a stop, and praised each other with noisy honks. Mallards, murmured Simon. The males got the green beak. A breeze set flax and rapo, sighing. The midges vanished. A car approached and stopped. It's Mum, said Claire. We'll have to go. Everyone stood and stretched. 
Pity we didn't see the bite, and Simon yawned. That was cool, though. Murmurs of agreement from the others. Yeah, Jake decided. Sitting and watching with people who felt the same way. Good stuff. The feeling stayed as he pedalled home. Amy's getting better. Slightly. Ken Duncan's on our side. Hopefully. Peter knows I'm a cool surfer. Surely. Things look good. Things looked good on Saturday too. Ruth Rivers' advocate column said nothing about Amy versus the bulldozer. And Jake plus his mum visited Auntie Clarice. They wandered the rows of rusty car engines, rustier car doors and worn tyres that filled Auntie Clarice's wrecker's yard. Hell, people are messy, Jake thought as he stepped over an oozing pool of oil. His mother was examining a filthy old tyre as if she'd found a winning lotto ticket. People are weird too, Jake decided. Rain drenched down on Sunday. No good for surfing. No good for biting watching. Oh well, thought Jake. I suppose wetlands don't mind getting wet. His father was working in the spare room. His mother was working in her studio, cutting yesterday's tyre into little pieces. Jake read more of the environment handbook. Dragonflies in swamps sunbathe to raise their temperature so they can move faster. Some wetlands midges are coloured pink to warn enemies that they taste bitter. Mmm, Barbie midges, Jake thought. On Monday, Jake saw Amy crossing the playground. He remembered her at the wetlands. Sometimes she's quite reasonable, he thought. One of Matt's mates was rinsing his football boots under a tap. He wandered off, leaving the tap running. Next moment, Amy was there. Turn it off! You want more water pumped out of rivers? You want trees dying on the banks? The boy looked bewildered. Get real. It's not going to kill anyone. You know something? Amy's finger stabbed. Three kids die every minute in India from drinking polluted water. They've got no clean rivers left. You want us to end up like that? The boy muttered, wrenched at the tap till it stopped running and strode away. Amy watched him go. And sometimes she's quite unreasonable, Jake thought. More music festival stuff on Tuesday. The choir sang an assembly. Matt looked tall. Claire looked shy. Peter looked. Jake gulped as her smooth throat lifted and her dark hair gleamed under the hall lights. The choir sounded good. Mrs Hay obviously thought so. She spent five minutes praising them. Pleased to hear a special chorale group being formed. Should all feel proud. A couple of places along, Simon pretended to let his eyes close and his chin sink onto his chest. Chin jerked up and eyes stretched wide as Mrs Hay looked in his direction. What do you think, love? Mrs Bremner stood with Jake in her studio that afternoon. The idea just came. A square of glass painted the glowing blue of summer skies. At the bottom, green paint, so thick that Jake could feel its swells and hollows with his fingertip, marked a brimming sea. A white line, thin as a razor slice, showed where sea and sky met. 
I've seen that line, Jake told himself. Spaced across the stretch of sky, pieces of tyre were glued, pieces shaped into the outlines of seabirds gliding on summer air. They looked so real, Jake half expected them to swoop down the glass as he watched. The curve of the bird's wings shaped into the curve of Peter's throat. He gulped again. Awesome, he told his mother, and wasn't completely sure what she meant. Awesome. Wednesday, in a lunchtime meeting, Jake blinked at Mr White's narrow brown corduroy trousers and wide black lace-up shoes. He waited for Peter to arrive. But it was Claire who began. I rang Mr Duncan yesterday. Peter said he wanted to talk to us. Amy huffed. Why couldn't Miss Weld ring? Where is she anyway? Dunno, said Claire. Anyway, Mr Duncan thinks we should see the subcontractors, the ones doing the bulldozing. Amy snorted. I've already seen them. So have I, thought Jake. He suggested after school tomorrow, so we can check they're doing things okay. If they're doing things okay, Darren corrected. Ten minutes later, halfway across the playground, Jake suddenly began hurrying. Peter, he called. The glossy dark hair swung as Peter turned. Hi, Jake, the dimple showed, and Jake's heart trampolined. Hi, um, look, I uh, just thought you'd want to know about the meeting. Peter looked puzzled, and Jake hurried on. Claire's rung Ken Duncan, and we're going tomorrow afternoon to the subcontractors so they can see we're not just brainless stirrers who sit in front of bulldozers. Jake felt a stab of guilt at his last sentence. Peter gave him another smile, a polite smile. Sorry, Jake. I meant to get a message to Mr White, but I've been busy. Now Jake stared, puzzled. Peter talked smoothly on. I've joined the special corral. We're having heaps of practices. I won't have time for the green group any more. Wow, isn't Amy brave or stupid? What do you think? At least they got lots of publicity about their cause, didn't they? And what about Peter? Just like that, she dumps the green group. Pretty selfish, maybe. She didn't, she didn't really care. How will Jake cope with this? Let's see where this leads next week. Otaki Bookshop, Books & Co. have a huge range of children's Christmas and summer reading arriving. They've also got plenty of children's events planned. Check out their website, booksandco.co.nz. Goodbye and happy reading.
This program is made with assistance from New Zealand on air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand on air.